The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on Fire, where we delve into all the latest and greatest when it comes to tech and gizmos and gadgets and all the rest. And as I've said so many times on this show, it's almost impossible to ignore technology. And with most of the Northern Hemisphere back in some form of lockdown, work from home, the technologies that make that possible are becoming more and more relevant. And what's so amazing is that in the six, seven months or pretty much the beginning of the year since all this madness hit the world, the actual quality of many of the gizmos and gadgets that we use in the work from home space have evolved incredibly quickly. And no more so although this has been long in the planning, then the huge announcement um, Apple made last night. And finally, we can say that the Intel dominance of the chipset and processor market is pretty much nailed and finished. Intel were the darlings of, of the processor for two, maybe three decades almost, starting with the old um processes back in the early 90s that essentially started the whole revolution. And during the mobile revolution that sort of kicked off with the smart device in around about 2007, 2008, they have just slowly but surely lost their edge in the, the processor space. But more about that later with the announcement of Apple Silicon, which with a new M1 chip, which makes perfect sense, considering it's not uh, mobile, but it definitely uses all the, the learnings of the past few years with mobile. So more about that in just a little while. Stay tuned for Tech Talk Cafe, where we talk all about the new products and the, the, the significant change that is coming to computing as a result of what Apple have done um, at around about 11.20. But in the meanwhile, if you're a gamer, and I know it's summertime, I know the the sun is shining. I know the government's telling us to get outdoors and, and get all the fresh air we can because that helps keep the corona in check. However, staying at home still needs a break. And PlayStations and Xboxes and, and gaming have grown as well. It's just been an explosion of interest in all of that over the last six, seven months. Makes sense again. People are sitting at home, a little bit bored, nothing to watch uh, on um on TV, <laughs> all the shows also got stopped on Netflix, so a little bit slim there in terms of great new things to watch. But gaming has never had a bigger and better boost. And the PlayStation 5 is now on sale. The Xbox is now on sale from the 10th. So lots of interesting diversions coming there. However, it appears that the ructions of covid and I hate to keep mentioning this, but it's affected everything, including the supply chains. And I'll talk a little bit about when they're going to come back in stock and may hit, may miss the year in shopping, but we will live in hope. Well, I'll be back straight after this, and I'll give you a quick insight into what's happening with the Xbox and the PlayStation straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And as I was saying, um, the PlayStations released slightly before the Xboxes in South Africa. And guess what? They're out of stock. So if you weren't lucky enough to get your hands on a PlayStation 5 up to now, the chance are you're going to have to wait till 
early December, hopefully, um, to get the next batch. Uh, Sony South Africa or, or the PlayStation distributors said that the next round of orders is, you know, it, well, there's a pre, you can, you can pre-order now, but they will be delivered between the 16th and the 20th of December. And interestingly, I was doing a quick Google on all of this and, um, it definitely is a global problem. They have, without question, underestimated the demand, or simply put, they were struggling with supply chain, something that the entire industry is, is struggling with, with China being the factory, the tech factory of the world, struggling in the first half of the year with their whole corona issue and not being able to deliver everything. And then with the rest of the world moving from the sort of June, July, August space into the same sort of situation, there's been huge, huge disruption in, in, in simple things like shipping, stuff backlogged in the ports, the stuff probably flew in, but again, borders were closed, flights were stopped. Generally, a lot of cargo flies in passenger planes. Passenger planes are not flying. So the whole issue of getting stock into the country, especially high-tech, expensive stock, such as consoles, has really taken a major, major knock. And I think we're going to see a lot of these problems going um, for the next couple of months. But I'm not getting into which is better, the PlayStation or the Xbox, their proponents both ways. The Sony PlayStation 5 is quite radically different in many ways. The controllers somewhat different, very different games, each one of them vying like mad for their specific game. So depending on what you've had in the past or depending on what you've got used to over the last little while, um, you, you make your own choice. But needless to say, both of these consoles are absolute powerhouses of technology, unbelievable Video, video capacity, unbelievable, um, processing capacity. The games that I've seen briefly on both, I haven't had a chance to really spend any time. Not that I ever get time to play games. That's another, another story altogether. But the little that I've played with both of these units is, is that they are without question a major upgrade from the PlayStation 4 and the older Xbox. In every single respect. So if you want to distract yourself and you're not traveling far and wide this uh, holiday period, this could be a great way to get into some downtime with your gaming. There's some incredible, little, little slim, little slim at the moment, but, um, there's incredible, um, range of games and things that are available right now. So check it out. Unfortunately, Xbox, the two versions are available now. Again, I've heard that they're, they're in somewhat short supply. Look around. All the usual suspects have stock. But the Sony PlayStation is pretty much out. You're only going to get them sometime towards mid to end December. So hang about and see what's happening on those. So I'm not sure which one you'll go for. But then again, if things are available, they tend to be the ones that people buy. Now, moving on, Telcom, uh, interestingly, announced their results this week. And it's a company that has changed so much over the last few years. There have been so many movements in that space. Obviously, the whole um, connectivity and telecommunication space in the last 10 years has completely changed. It used to be good old POTS, plain old telephone system. I love that, POTS. And that's what the whole thing was. ADSL, you had a copper cable running to your house and off you went and you were really phoning and connecting and, and being all 
2020s with everyone. But that fast changed. We're now in the fiber, mobile, 5G, 4G world, and all is changing. Well, what's happening is clear to see in telecom. Their landline numbers have dropped dramatically by over half, um, well, not half, 500 million um, connections have dropped off this year. They're down to just under a million connections, uh, 500,000, not 500 million. I wish they had 500 million right in the day, but they never did. 500,000 connections, they're down to close to only a million fixed line connections across the country as people move. Most people don't need a fixed line anymore. If anything, fixed line is a real problem and costs a lot of money. And if you've got a mobile phone, everyone in the home's got a mobile phone, why would you need a landline? Also, they stopped ADSL. So what was the point of having a landline for internet connectivity? Again, fiber and LTE or 5G was essentially better, much better, much faster, much more reliable, even the, the mobile stuff. And in many cases, far cheaper than ADSL. So they killed themselves in that respect. But they knew this. And in fact, ADSL support has pretty much stopped. It's hard to get it. It's hard to keep it. And in many cases, Telcom will simply migrate you to a fiber solution at no extra cost if it's in your area. So the 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 aggressive cutoff of the old legacy copper connections has continued. And it shows, I expect by the end of next year, pretty much hardly except some old legacy stuff floating about in certain areas will still have copper. Copper gets stolen. The, the, the exchanges that they need to support it have become obsolete. They're hard to fix and expensive. Unfortunately, there is a toll on the human capital that's involved in keeping all those networks up and running. But where they've picked up a lot is in their mobile. They're now number three mobile operator in the country, surpassing Celsi, which has had some serious problems in the last little while. In fact, Celsi, it's a story for another another show, but Celsi are going to become essentially a, a retail operation with the entire network working through MTN, which is not entirely a bad thing. Being a scale business, that's not a bad thing. Telcoms still have their own network, even though they do roam on Vodacom for the most part in places where they're not. But overall, it, it, it proved to be a great year for them. The only area that didn't, well, there were two areas that didn't do well. Fixed line, as we've discussed, and their BCX business also declined because enterprise fixed voice revenues, the, the enterprise customers with all the lockdowns and everything have reduced IT spend considerably in the first half, half of the year, postponed some of their big capital intensive projects, you know, new rollouts, new product, new platforms, for the second half of the year until they know what's happening around the whole COVID-19 setup. And that resulted in a close to 10% decline in revenues, which is a, is a real challenge because BCX, they bought it a while back and it, it, it was a, it was a clever business to be in a year or two ago, but right now it really looks like it's going to be a challenge. Telcom, as I said, was a company that a lot of us love to hate, but over the years they've developed into a pretty responsive fairly um, active player in the telecommunication space. And for the most part, they've got great deals in mobile. Their mobile, their mobile pricing is super competitive. And their, their service and support in that space, because of the, of the operators, they've still got um, 
points of presence across the country that in, in rural areas and other places that the others may not entirely meet. So good luck to Telcom. It just shows you that a state-owned enterprise under the right guidance uh, and Sipo Maseku, their CEO, has done an incredible job of keeping the government out of his business and getting on with the job of a, of a mobile and telecommunications giant and done a pretty good job about it. So very interesting and pleasing results in a time that where every other state-owned enterprise has just been a bit of a disaster. Anyhow, we're going to uh, have a, a quick break for for our uh, sponsors once again. A little early, but I've got lots to talk about in Tech Talk Cafe straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And as usual, this is Tech Talk Cafe where we try to have some interesting people and interesting topics on the show. I've not got an interview today, but that's maybe a good thing because I've had a lot of people ask me about what's going on with the new Apple Macs. And there's some fundamental changes. Yesterday, the day before, actually, um, they didn't want to do it on the 11th of the 11th. They did it on the 10th of the 11th, which makes a lot of sense. Apple finally announced some products using their brand new um, silicon chip, the new M1 chip that they've developed and designed based on all the experience that they they uh, learned through the cut through the number of years that they've been building their own chips for their mobile phones. And this is no longer an Intel x86 based chip, which heralds a completely new approach to chip design and computing globally. So for many years, the Wintel or the Windows Intel duopoly drove computing all the way through the 90s, the noughties, the 2010s, all the way up to 2020. If you bought a PC, it had an x86 or x86 compatible chip from AMD that drove the PC all the way from entry level to industrial-sized units that were used for for massive computing anywhere. And that has slowly, slowly been changing. The chipsets had, there were two major competitors in the chipset space. It was Intel with the x86-type chipset, as well as um, the ARM-based. Now, ARM was a British company that decided that started designing chips also many, many years ago. And the ARM-based designs were used by most, if not all, mobile manufacturers since the dawn of the smart device, which started around about 2007. So it's only been 13 years that we've had smart devices. And the ARM-based chips had one major benefit over the Intel x86 chips. There's a lot more technical stuff going on here. But essentially, ARM-based, or RISC chips as they were called, had incredibly lower power needs versus performance than uh, the x86 chips. But up until fairly recently, x86 for computing in in laptops, desktops, and servers was the de facto go-to standard. Everything worked with it. Windows was built for it. Even the Macs transitioned in the early 20, I think around about 2003, 2004, to Intel chips. And it was the, the only show in town. Recently, a couple of companies, including um, Microsoft, starting supporting risk-based chips on their Windows 10 mainstream products. But Apple have finally gone the whole hog. 
they now manufacture absolutely every element of the Mac from the chip to the chipset to the software to the physical device. Obviously, they buy in certain parts from certain companies. But the new M1 chip is completely revolutionary in many, many, many respects. And the benchmarking that has come out since the launch of the new MacBook Air and the MacBook Pros have proved that these chips are, without a shadow of doubt, the most powerful chips that are available for home computing or even business computing anywhere. They blow the current generation of Intel-based. So, for example, a late 2019 MacBook Pro with an Intel Core i9, which is probably their fastest processor for a mobile device, which clocked at 2.4 gigahertz, was blown away by the current Mac Mini, which is the cheapest, smallest. I mean, sells for around about 12,000 to 15,000 Rand, depending on the, the hard drive specs. That completely blew that, the, the benchmarks of the MacBook Pro with an Intel Core i9, which was the absolute pinnacle of mobile computing up until now. And what is more interesting is that the MacBook Air with the M1 chip, which is their entry level, and this is what's interesting, they've not put up the price of the MacBook Air, has a score which is much faster than the 8-core processor from um, that was included, or the 4-core processor, sorry, that was included in the previous generation from Intel by an order of three to four times over anything. So the, the the M1 chip is probably the most significant development in processing power, chipset power, and computing that has ever happened. And what they've done, just like in a mobile phone, um, Apple have included so many things on the chip that used to be part of separate bits and pieces. So, for example, the processor is... Uh, eight-core processor with four, four slower cores, four faster cores. Much, very different to stuff that's available um, from Intel right now. But more than that, they've included a unified memory architecture. So all the memory, the 16-gig or 8-gig memory, the normal memory, is now included as a single pool in the processor itself. So it's addressed as one. You don't have video memory. You don't have computer memory. You don't have that or VRAM and NVRAM and you know, it gets pretty technical in terms of all that stuff. But you simply have one pool of memory that is shared between the video processor and the normal processor as and when it's needed, which results in much, much better performance and more importantly, much lower power draw, which makes, I'll get to that in a few minutes. Apart from that, they've included what they call neural engine. Now, the neural engine is essentially what everyone else is calling AI. AI has become a big thing. There's AI built into your coffee machine. There's AI built into your toaster. Everything's AI today. But machine learning, which is essentially where AI, artificial intelligence, is right now, it's all about machines learning to do things better based on a whole set of instructions so that essentially it's creating new programs out of the out of the information that's gleaning from old programs and getting smarter and smarter. So any device that uses any form of machine learning capacity will get better and better at doing a task the more it does that task, which is quite a big difference uh, from pre previous computers that had to be sort of hard-coded to do anything. And the, the, the machine learning processor, which is built into the M1 chip, is part of the subsystem. It's inside. It's not a separate device. 
and it's fully integrated into the logic of the processor. So there's just no question that all the various elements, along with a video coprocessor, and, and interestingly, that'll be my gadget of the day. I'm talking about the new MacBook Air, which is the first device with the with the A14 chip, which is sort of the same family as the new M1 chip. The video processing is pretty remarkable. Again, you can't do things with cameras without big lenses and things that in in the real world that you could that you couldn't do on a smartphone. So, for example, a smartphone's got a tiny little camera with a tiny little lens that fits in your pocket, nothing like a DSLR, which hangs around your neck and weighs a ton and has got this huge lens with tons of lenses. But using computing power and digital enhancements that are built into the chip, both the M1 and the A14 chip that, in, that uh, Apple are using everywhere on their new products, that... Um, that chip is able to compute the way that a picture is developed and put together in um, in software that absolutely compensates for so many of the problems that a tiny little lens and perhaps its low ability to handle bright and dark. That's what HDR is all about. You'll hear about that a lot going forward. So the new generation of chips have got all of this, certainly the, the, the chips that are coming from um, from Apple have this built into a single, what they call SOC, system on chip. And that chip has all of this working together with very smart controllers that allow incredible improvements in battery power. So on to the actual products that were announced. So we've got this M1 chip, which is now going to be the future of um, computing for Apple. There are a couple of caveats in this, and I think people will understand um, I'll, I'll explain in a few minutes what the challenge is. The M1 chip is completely and utterly not compatible with x86 Mac uh, chips that the Mac used to use. So anything that ran an Intel-based chip theoretically needs to have its software completely changed to run the M1 uh, to run on the M1. And in fact, today, the 12th, well, today is actually the 12th, correct? The 12th of November. Mac or Apple are releasing Big Sur, which is the next generation of their operating system for the Macs. It'll go out probably around about 7, 8 tonight, so all you geeks out there who've got Macs can download it. It will run on x86 or older Macs as well, but built into Big Sur is the ability to use all the capabilities of the M1 chip natively without any problem. Also built into Big Sur is the ability to run through emulation, because of the computing power built into the M1 chip, as well as the computing power built into the x86 chip, not quite in the same league, but certainly Intel's chips can do it too, they will run an emulation layer that should allow you to run every single program that ran on any previous generation Mac on the new M1 Macs. Now, I do believe that there are going to be certain little glitches I've already seen on some of the forums where the people were trying the previous or sort of the testbed um, MacBook or the, the Mac Minis that were released by Apple to allow the developers to start working with a new M1 style uh, RISC chip. And there are a couple of programs that don't run absolutely perfectly, but for the most part, this has been a pretty seamless switch away from the older generation software to the new generation software and hardware. 
So what Apple announced was the new MacBook Air. Now, it will look no different to the current generation MacBook Air. It's exactly the same form factor, the same sort of ultra-slim build with a narrowing tapered V-shape, which makes it look even slimmer from the front. But by including the M1 chip, they've managed to do a couple of very interesting things. The two most noticeable is that there will be no fan at all. So the, the MacBook Air is completely silent. No matter which way you look at it, it will have, make no noise, no matter how hard it works. There's no fan. There's no hissing and, and, and air blowing through the back of the, the unit, which happened quite a bit with my MacBook Air over the years. Um, and they've extended the battery life by almost 100%. So you're getting up to 18 hours of battery life from one charge because of the sheer capacity of the M1 chip. But what is even more impressive uh, is that they've doubled the amount of memory and they've kept the price exactly the same as the current MacBook Airs. Now, they're on sale. You can pre-order them in most of Europe and America right now. They'll go on sale either from this Friday through to early next week. They will probably only hit South Africa sometime in the next two to three weeks. Interestingly, they haven't even announced the launch date of the iPhone 12 in South Africa yet. Again, I think back to the challenges we're having around supply chain and manufacturing. There's a lot of talk that Apple is struggling with certain parts to get them in sufficient quantities. And um, there's, there's a real struggle around that. But I think the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro and the new um, M1 powered Macs will go on sale in South Africa in the next two to three weeks. But the best part about um, the new MacBook Air is that it's going to have startling, and I mean 18 hours of battery life, Apple are normally quite conservative in this space, is pretty insane. The complete lack of, um, of fan and sound is going to be an absolute winner. They've improved the quality of the screen. They've made a few tweaks and changes to the keyboard and the keyboard layout, and overall, this is going to be one of the most, um, or, or, or in my opinion, if you're in the Mac space, it will be the best value Mac on the market right now. And with the M1 chip, I've done some reading this morning, the tests have gone out. The MacBook, a current MacBook Air is more powerful than the MacBook Pro 16 inch in many, many benchmark tests. So you're getting something that MacBook MacBook Pro 16 inches run in the 50 to 60,000 Rand range. I expect the MacBook Air to be in the 18 to 24,000 Rand range, depending on um, memory. These are not inexpensive laptops by no means, but still, um, you're getting something that's more powerful, faster graphics, faster processing power, better. You can actually do pro-type work on the MacBook Air, like Final Cut and um, very advanced video. Um, processing on an air that you could never do before. Also, using all the ability that they've done with regard to the the uh, video processing, from what I've seen and what I've read so far, again, we'll experience this in due course, the quality of the video camera for homework and the microphones, because they've now got some special AI DSP modes built in, are, are significantly better than before. So expect far crisper better quality video streams on all the various platforms. Obviously, 
if you're using FaceTime, it's going to be the best because that's all built in and the software is optimized for the new chip. You're going to have to wait a while till everyone catches up in that space. So the Zooms and the Teams and everyone else. But expect native um, M1 compatible programs from all those people. But right now, that makes the MacBook Air probably the best laptop buy on the market. It's faster than 98% of all uh, Windows-based laptops. And the best part about all this is the innovation this is going to drive is pretty off the charts. We are going to see, I believe, due to the release of this new M1 chip, due to the leap that that, um, Apple have taken in the power and battery life and efficiency of their laptops, we're going to see some real uh, head scratching and some real innovation coming out of the other players. Intel cannot let this stand. They have to respond. The M1 chip is built on five nanometer production technologies made in TMC in Taiwan. So it's way ahead of anything that Intel are currently doing at their own fabrication plants. And this is exactly where the big leap comes in. So we're going to see, I believe, from AMD, from Intel, from from Qualcomm, some massive uh, push to get new silicon out there that is competitive with the M1. And as I say, sometimes it takes someone to just stir up the pot of, uh, of, of competition to create greater excitement in the market. The other product that Apple announced was the new MacBook Pro 30. Again, pretty much identical looking device to the current MacBook Pro. But they've even improved things now considerably. What they've done is they've given the A1 chip a little bit more thermal um, room to move. They've put in a fan because they're allowing the A1 chip to run harder, run faster, and give even better performance than what's available in the MacBook Air. But I think what's going to happen now, the MacBook Air is so good for the most part, for most people who don't do heavy video editing and heavy professional um, work on their, their, their devices. So those guys will probably find the MacBook Air is more than good enough. But those that want the ultimate professional, um, heavy hitting, uh, MacBook or MacBook Pro, then the new pros definitely notch things up a huge way. They're reckoning on 2.8, nearly three times CPU performance enhancement, five times better graphic speeds, and up to 11 times better machine learning type algorithms. And obviously, some programs like Adobe, some of the programs from from uh, Mac themselves, like Final Cut, use the neural engine or AI programming to improve what they do, especially for photography. The AI processing is, is really, really, really important. But what that results in is a unit that is incredibly fast, and with up to 20 hours of battery life uh, in a normal use. And I mean, that's more than the average day. So imagine working five to six hours a day, you can probably charge your laptop every four or five days. It's starting to sound a lot like a mobile phone. And what the M1 chip, because of its mobile heritage, also allows is all these all these devices will switch on instantly, like you used to with a tablet and a phone. You don't have to wait for it to boot, to restart. You open it, it works. Everything's on instantly. From what i again seen on online opening programs, instant, fast. So significant, significant improvement um, across absolutely everything that you do. 
Big Sur, which is coming out this evening, certainly looks very cool. It, it also allows something else to run on these Macs. Every single iPhone or, or um, iPad app will run on Big Sur on your new M1 Mac. So hundreds of millions of apps will run natively and seamlessly on the new Mac. So sometimes there's apps that you want to run on your phone that you can't run on your, your laptop. You'd like to have a big screen. It just makes perfect sense. So the seamless ability to move across phone to tablet to laptop with exactly the same programs, exactly the same functionality is, is there. And also the new chip along with the new programming interface that Apple have created will allow universal apps that will run on everything absolutely seamlessly and super fast. So Apple have done some incredibly smart thinking around the space. So before <laughs> I can see, as usual, time flies, we're going to have to take a quick break um, for our sponsors. And then I'll be back just to wrap up the whole announcement uh, with the new Mac Mini, which is also available and will be available quite soon in South Africa. So I'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And let me quickly wrap up my um, summary of what Apple announced. The last product that they announced was the Mac Mini. Now, the Mac Mini has been around for many years. It's always been a very cool little tiny portable Mac that you could use for lots of reasons. It didn't fit in the mold of pretty much anything that I saw. I don't think it was their biggest seller for ages. And it's interesting that they decided to upgrade the Mac Mini with the M1 chip. And another interesting thing that um, is coming clear is that the, the way Intel used to sell their chips by having the i3, the i5, the i7, pretty much the same silicon. It costs no more to make an i3 than an i7, but they could charge differentially based on power. Apple have just simply built one chip, the M1. It is the most powerful chip. They've given it a different different thermal envelope. And by that, what I mean is if you have if you have the capacity to radiate more heat and run harder, then you can get more performance out of the device. If you want it to run cool and, and, and a little bit less powerfully, then that's easy to achieve. But they haven't actually priced it differentially based on its performance or its power envelope. They've simply said, here's that M1 chip, and it runs everything that needs an, a chip. So I think it's also smart, again, going to rattle the entire um, setup that's been going for the last two decades with regard to, you know, if you wanted a cheap entry-level laptop, it had an i3, which worked well. But if you wanted high-end, you bought an i7 and paid a ton more for pretty much exactly the same amount of silicon. Obviously, memory and other little things changed, but that's pretty much, much out the window with the new generation of Macs. Anyhow, the new Mac Mini is exactly, in many respects, the same chip and the same power as the MacBook Pros and is very useful for lots and lots of different reasons because all you need to do is add a keyboard and a screen and uh, a mouse and you've got a fully-fledged Mac computer. So those three were the new and super powerful um, Macs. Obviously, all the other tech specs, USB 4, Thunderbolt connectivity, which is way ahead. Um, it's got 
all the latest Wi-Fi 6 and all the other bits and pieces that you'd expect in an absolutely cutting-edge design. And as I say, they will be available in the next couple of weeks in South Africa. They're available as of now for collection early next week, pretty much anywhere else in the, you know, in, in America and Europe and some parts of Asia. So these, I think, are going to be the most significant products that, that uh, Apple have almost always, that have ever made in this space. They are still in the MacBook Pro space supporting the Intel chip. Again, Intel chip will allow you to run Windows natively on the device. The M1 chip will only allow you to run Windows in emulation, which has its challenges. It's never absolutely perfect with via, via emulation, and it adds massive overhead. Though the power of these chips, you may actually see things running faster in emulation than they did natively on an older Intel chip product. But for now, the transition to the M1 chip is going to take a couple of years and expect to see Certainly in the professional space, Intel-based chips that run specific programs natively without any translation layer until the first or second generation of the new software comes from MacBook, from, from Apple to take care of that. So I'm not essentially going to carry on much more. There's so much more to the space. But I will say one thing, that in many ways, Apple have pushed the industry in one fell swoop far further than than anything that's happened in the last five to seven years. And I expect to see a whole new generation of products coming over the next couple of years that are going to be based on very power efficient, incredibly powerful single chips on a system or systems on a chip that will bring down the price, improve the power, and we're going to see a big jump in computing power across the entire computing ecosystem. Right now, Apple certainly do have the lead. Again, it's not mainstream for many people. Windows still rules the business world, and for the most part, people find the lower cost of, of Windows products more than acceptable, and the performance also great. But at the cutting edge, Apple seemed to have really pushed the envelope in a huge, huge way. And that takes me straight into a quick segway into my... Uh, gadget of the week. I was fortunate enough to get hold of the new iPad Air, um, and it is quite a revelation. This is the first of the products from Apple before the iPhone 12 to use the new A14 chip, which in many ways shares an exact similar architecture to the M1. So I'm not going to go into the whole background about the neural engines and the built-in co-processors and video processors. But the new MacBook Air, which unfortunately is not going to be super cheap in South Africa, it's some of them are already available. There's more coming um, right now. You can pre-order some models, but some models are available. You can get the new 10.9-inch MacBook um, iPad Air um, for around about 12 and a half grand, which is a little bit expensive compared to the U.S. and Europe price, but not particularly out of line. And the benefit of the new iPad Air is that they've thrown all the latest technology. So the new 18, A14 chip, which is going to be included in the iPhone 12, which is available internationally, not available in South Africa yet. Um, and what this does, and I've been playing with this, this device now for about a week. I've managed to get the 256 um, gig unit. And I can tell you now, the speed and the power is absolutely insane. It is lighter than the old Air. 
It is smaller than the old air. They've moved the finger, the, they've moved the touch ID. It does not have the same uh, facial recognition software as the MacBook, as the iPad Pros. I keep getting the MacBooks and iPads all confused. It does not have the same um, system as the the new iPhones or the iPad Pros with regard to facial recognition, but they've moved the fingerprint sensor and the touch ID into the on button on the left, which I found super easy to use. A simple touch and you're in. But where the, the big change is, the quality of the screen has improved no end. The pricing is similar, but a little bit more expensive. The look looks like a MacBook Pro. Um, it also uses the Apple Pencil too, so you've got the same MacBook Pro, iPad Pro. You've got the same ability to run and create using a pencil as the um, iPad Pro at far lower price. The bezels are bigger. In other words, the surround around the screen is slightly bigger than the, the iPad Pros, but not that you really notice, but it has the same sort of square, flattened look as the um, as the iPhone 12 and the uh, the iPad Pros. And again, it is the first and, in fact, probably the best iPad currently available because the iPad Pros are going to be upgraded to the A14 chip in due course, but they still run the A12. And these... The speed and the, the sheer power of this device is ridiculous. I, I cannot begin to understand how browsing can be so fast. On the same internet connection that I'm using the older iPad Air, it is significantly faster on browsing. It's significantly faster to open up uh, the various um, to open up the various apps. The quality of the screen is significantly better than the older version. So if you're looking for a tablet that really is cutting edge and can do with the new uh, iPad OS, which gives mouse support and keyboard support and a lot of other elements around it, it can pretty much replace your laptop to a large extent. It's not the same as a fully-fledged laptop. I don't know if I could replace my current laptop with the iPad, but as a second secondary device, it is pretty Good. It's, it's, as I said, the speed is just ridiculous. It's a significant leap up on previous generations. And so if you're looking for a device that can pretty much do 98% of what you need, running Office on it, Microsoft Office, it has Teams, it has Zoom, it has absolutely everything that I need. And again, as I mentioned, the new H14 chip or the M1 chip has got a video processor that enhances everything. The picture quality People have said to me, wow, what a wonderful picture you, what camera are you using? And it's just the camera that's built into the iPad Air. So if you're looking for a top-end replacement tablet, I also bought the Magic Keyboard, which is pretty cool. It's got a touchpad, which operates exactly like a Mac touchpad. It holds magnetically and pretty securely the, the, the iPad Air. It also handles um, iPad Pros. But it, it has a fully-fledged keyboard, a trackpad, and for the most part, i found that it is as easy to use as any laptop and um, in some ways slightly more intuitive for, the, for, for most things. So my advice is that if you're looking to replace your, your um, laptop, an older generation laptop, and you want a combination of tablet versus um, computer, the new uh, iPad Air 10.9-inch 
you need minimum 256 gig of memory. I would suggest you could probably get away with 64 gig, but a couple of programs and you're going to start running out of memory. So I'd avoid the 64 gig. Unfortunately, the 256 gig is going to sell in South Africa for 15,499, um, which is not insignificant. But again, it, it offers a ton of, of features. It has the fastest processor on the planet currently and uh, a great screen. It has the magnetic clip on the top for the pencil, so you can top pop it on there. It can t- it can work with a magic keyboard, which again is not terribly inexpensive, but it does give the ability to turn it into almost a fully fledged laptop. And it comes in some cool colors, pink and green and blue, well, not quite blue, but um, silver and gold, as well as the standard space gray. So interesting product. I think it's it has its niche. It's priced extremely well. And um, you should uh, have a good look at it if you're looking for something. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now, moving on to the last product of the day, and I'm talking lots of products. For the last couple of weeks, with the courtesy of Sure South Africa, I've been using the Sure MV51 professional ohm type product that I've been playing for the last few weeks. As I was saying, I'm just, I've got a wrap up, but just a shout out to Sure. They supplied me some headphones, a couple of other gizmos, this brilliant MV51 microphone. And with everyone working from home, with me doing my shows via Skype from home and my interviews from home, having a top quality microphone makes all the difference. Voice quality is infinitely better than what's built into any laptop or any video um, uh, product like the Logitech cameras. So, If you're looking for that, they're available everywhere. They even bring out a smaller unit, the uh, MV50, the MV5, um, at around about three grand. This one, the MV51, is pure professional grade at around about five and a half grand, six grand. So if you're looking for a top-end mic, that really makes a difference if you want to do podcasts, if you want the best sound for your video conferencing, I would definitely have a good look at Sure. They've got a long history of professional gear. And on that note, they've also got headphones and other things that I'm playing with, but I will report back on that in due course. On that note, I've run out of time, too much tech to talk about. Stay tuned every week, same time, right here on High FM for Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. <laughs>